Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome in, everybody, to the Landry Football Podcast for this Thursday, May 13th. My, my, have the days... Weeks gone by fast. Great to be with you, as always. Love being with you, talking football here. We do so uh, on a number of different forums, but here at the Landry Football Podcast, part of the Radio Influence Network, just so happy um, to be with you. We've got a few things we want to get to today, but I want to mainly talk about um, the effects of the name, image, and likeness. We've got a lot of questions about that how that's going to look, how that's going to work. And, you know, you read about it, you hear about it, but I'm, I'm going to take you behind the scenes on what's really, truly going to happen in college programs and how it's going to affect what they do, how they do it, who benefits, who uh, maybe is in the disadvantaged situation. So we're going to do that. But as always, we certainly want to invite you to participate in the show uh, and, um, you know, uh, ask your questions and I'll remind you too, that if you're listening to this podcast, um, I hope you listen in part of the radio influence family. You can also watch the podcast live, um, on Twitch TV, twitch.tv, Chris Landry football, or go or click on follow Chris on Twitch, uh, over at LandryFootball.com. And, uh, you can follow us by clicking the heart button. We appreciate you doing that. Just like you do on Twitter, follow us. Follow us there and join us in the chat room. It'll give you some some uh, uh, indication of when we're going live and all. And if you can, subscribe to our channel, Chris Landry Football. It's a great way of supporting what we do and allows you to be part of the Chris Landry Football Insider. So please spread the word to our friends. Um, have them do the same. And let's grow this family and let's, let's uh, increase the listenership part of the Radio Influence Group on the Landry Football Podcast as well as um, increase uh, the folks that will uh, watch this podcast live. Join us at LandryFootball.com uh, and follow me on Twitter, remember, at LandryFootball. So um, when uh, I wanted to also mention to you over at Landry Football, uh, just to give you an idea, and we're not going to get into a bunch of it today, in fact, m- maybe not much of anything, but some of the news of the last 24 hours, some of the signings of draft picks, um, the Broncos signing uh, an offensive tackle that will certainly help them. Learn a little bit why the Packers decided to to sign Blake Bortles. Um, what else um, we mentioned uh, that I think is of value? Uh, of course, 
all the we were uh, discussing yesterday on LandryFootball.com, all the schedule information, and it's really fascinating what the NFL does in creating a whole day. We'll leak this. We'll leak the Monday night games. We'll leak the Thursday night games. We'll leak the games on our schedule, meaning the ABC, you know, Disney family. We'll leak the games on uh, our, uh, you know, network, Fox. And that's all done for a purpose. So we really... Uh, it's interesting how they uh, make that an entire day of news and information. And really, you know who the opponents are. It's just win. But it's part of the great marketing machine that is the NFL, and I admire it so much. Uh, over on the college side in our notebooks that you can find out on LandryFootball.com, um, learn where um, who Indiana is getting and what they're getting from a former Auburn defensive end. Um where uh, former Nebraska receiver is likely headed. Um, the latest transfer portal news, and we're going to transfer portal news will pick up because it's the end of the semester from the semester, because most schools are on the semester system. You're going to see the news pick up because we're at the end of the semester. In fact, it's a lot of them have already ended because some of them eliminated spring, um, what do you call it, spring break because of, of the COVID issue. So we're going to have more and more of that information. Um, Ohio State's got a defensive end that's in the transfer portal. Learn about that. Um, Buffalo with a new head coach and the new changes. Um, you know, um, oh, um, we talked a little bit about Tony Fair over here on, on, the, on the platforms. Uh, the former UAB defensive lineman, as we expected, going to Auburn. And so uh, we appreciate you, um, you know, following us there. You can learn more about that. Tulane's defensive tackle that's heading into uh, the portal as well. Um, and also there is this time of year some of the camps that are going on, the uh, high school camps, kids that have committed, some haven't committed in the 2022 class. Learned a little bit about uh, how the – Auburn, excuse me, the Alabama quarterback, Ty Simpson, uh, has looked in the Indianapolis um, camp series. Um, got some notes on Virginia Tech's quarterback situation. Um, Penn State's receiver commitment from 2022, we've got that. And a little bit about, um, you know, where some of the odds are for the NFL draft with uh, who might be and might be surprised and maybe not surprised by who is available there. Also, some June visits, uh, you know, around the country for some of these recruits. So a lot of stuff. Again, a lot of stuff that we're not going to get to, the minutia of it. Uh, but if you are a football fan and you want to learn about what's going on with your favorite team, your favorite conference, you can click on it and get right to it um, over on the website. If you want to follow everything and learn more about other programs and everything. We've got all the minutiae for you over at LandryFootball.com. So, again, get that out the way, and I wanted to, um, uh, you know, uh, address that. Uh, appreciate, uh, again, those of you that are joining us. I see Spartan Barton has joined us today. Hey, Spartan Barton, really, thank you. Cheering on 100 bits, and um, really nice. Um, Spartan said uh, you enjoyed the personal episode you did earlier this week. It was great to see you. Human side of you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now we all have details for people who don't know uh, on this audience. Um, 
I did not do the show last week, uh, which is very unusual to not do the show the week after the the, uh, the NFL draft. Uh, it was due to some personal issues with the the, the loss of a loved one, um, a longtime pet of mine and of my parents. Lost my my dad in 2004, my mom in 2014, and the beautiful, wonderful um, little cat, a uh, little kitten that became a full-grown cat of 18 years that I cared for and raised. And as you can imagine, um, particularly after losing mom and dad, she helped me kind of get through over the grief of losing them, particularly mom, since I had mom after dad passed. And then after mom passed in 2014, it was just me and Mindy. And um, caring for her was a joy, was a pleasure, was uh, the love of my life not married, no kids. It was my baby. Um, lost her a week um, from this past Tuesday. She's been sick. And the whole process of that, I don't want to get into it anymore, but uh, I appreciate all the support and everything. That was the reason for my absence of a lot of things and playing catch up on the website, on my consulting work and everything. So yes, uh, Big, bad, tough football guy. No, not not so much. Um, you know, like anyone else, you have the loves and, and, and your your feelings and emotions. and But taking step-by-step, step, uh, day-by-day, uh, moving forward. So appreciate the thoughts there. Um, morning, Jeff, joining us in the chat room as well. Spartan Martin, now, we'll ask this off the top, or answer this off the top. What's the evaluation of Emory Jones coming out of high school? Emory was a really good athlete. Did not know how good a um, you know, quarterback he would be, and and still think can be very good. Still wonder how good of a passer he'll be. So I think that'll that's going to be the key, and I'm very curious to see how he develops. Uh, I do want to address a couple of questions that were brought in, and then we're going to get into some thoughts about the name, image, and likeness, which is going to be the major theme for the show. But again, we'll weave your questions in. So appreciate. All of you that are coming in and asking questions, we will uh, we will get to them. I promise you. Uh, been asked a lot about, and I've addressed it a couple of times, but for this audience, I wanted to do it and spend a little time on the Tim Tebow situation. And there are a number of ways we can go on it. It's a he's a he's a polarizing figure, right? Um, people love to love him, and people love to. I guess, I don't know if they hate him. I think they love to say, well, why is this guy getting all the attention? He's more of a made-up story than a real good football player. And, and you know what? You're all right in some way, shape, or form. Here, here's what is, in my opinion, reality. Guy was a great college football player. He was not the traditional passing quarterback, but he was a big-time leader, big-time winner, Big-time champion. Um, was, without question, the most important person in the Urban Meyer tenure at Florida. No one set the tone. No one kind of set it into a, a different level more than Tim Tebow. Tim was down to Alabama and Florida. And, and really, really, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to use the third really, say um, that that Alabama was 
boy, he really wanted to go there, but he but he really had a strong pull to, to the Gators. Nice High School, Jacksonville, and ultimately went there. And certainly that worked out well for Florida and for him. Um, had a great career. Drafted, I, I, I thought was, look, in my mind, I didn't have the vision for him as a quarterback as Denver did when they were drafted by then head coach um, Josh McDaniels. People will talk about, boy, he, he did a lot better job in Denver. Look, he did a nice job in the role that he had. He certainly was not a good passer. You know, having a, uh, the, the one thing I thought he did, and I think you saw the height of his career, was the playoff game against the Steelers. Um, and people remember the pass. If you remember... And this is one of the things about being such a run threat, such a focus on you have to play eight, nine in a box. You have to overplay the run that you had single coverage, and he hit a slant route. What it was a it was a good throw, but not not a difficult throw in a passing league. Um, you know he's not a guy that throws accurately or well on the row on the run. So he wasn't a fit in the pro game, sustainability-wise for the passing game, at quarterback. He is, without question, one of the more competitive people that I've ever seen. Um, and to the point where he takes a personal affront to when you, when you try to give a critique of him, he takes it as, you don't believe in me. And, and, and that's the chip on your shoulder that all greats have. But I think he took it to the point where he probably blinded himself to what the best reality for his pro football career could have been, and that is to embrace doing multiple things. Yeah, maybe doing a little wildcat stuff, a little short yardage goal line quarterback stuff, but also embracing F-back, H-back, move guy, special teams ace, all of that. That was not in his mind, good enough for a guy that was a superstar name in college. And that became a problem, became an issue. So he hung on to, I'm a quarterback, I'm going to prove to you, I'm going to be a great quarterback in the NFL type. And there's nothing fundamentally wrong with feeling that way, except that it just, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't what he thought. And, and he didn't quite, Look, it's one thing, you don't listen to the world of the media and the fans, but I think football people tried to guide him in the right direction, and it and it just, for whatever reason, he, he took it. And, and there's no criticism of that. That's just where he went. But he was just slow set up. You know, the ball never could come out on time because of the slow set. And he's such a bulked-up guy. Everybody talks about great athletes. And he's a great competitor, a great winner. Not a great athlete in the sense that people say, well, play the Taysom Hill role. He can't play the Taysom Hill role. Taysom Hill's a much better athlete. He's much quicker. He's much faster. He's not as big. He's not as strong as Tebow. But Taysom Hill, who's not a consistent enough passer to be a starter in the NFL, is quite a bit better passer than Tebow. 
and yet not good enough. So that kind of gives you an idea. But Tim could have had a role, maybe he embraced it, and, and, and would have would have played a little bit longer. He did what he did and liked baseball and gave the baseball to try. And, you know, I think that the Mets, from what I understand, were pleased with the fact that he created a lot of interest in their minor league system and the games and on the road and all that's fine. Um, obviously wasn't good enough to advance his career there. So here's where we are now. And here's what I think has been in play and what's at play. Uh, and I'm, I'm piecing this together from experience. There is something about players that all need closure. I discussed personal issues myself, you know, with a with a pet, pet, and and you know, losing parents down the road, and we all been through that, right? There's there's a certain amount of closure, and it I I don't know. I mean, it's complicated. So I mean, I don't know. It makes you feel better, or it, it just it's a it's a process, right? It's I don't know that it makes the pain go away, but there's there's a certain element of closure. You all know what I'm talking about. I'm not explaining it well. But there is a grieving element, so to speak, a closure element needed for players. I have often worked out players as a courtesy, having watched them on film and knowing that they don't have it anymore, or they're not good enough. Maybe they're a young guy that's just not good enough to make it, or a guy that has been successful no longer has it. <clears throat> but in my career, work them out. And, and I'm talking about what, you know when I was you know, specifically with one team. Now, I direct them to people that might want to give them a workout. Now, I tell people, you ought to, this is what you ought to do. Um, you know, a team and, and work them out. There, there are things you can do, sign a waiver if they get injured in a workout and all that. But you, I've often tried to help a player. A, give a look. Basically, a workout is not good enough to get you, but the film has to support that. If the workout's good, there have been guys that I've given a chance to and yet, and they've worked out, and there may be worth signing very very rarely, but it, it's happened. Or, you know what, he's not a fit for us. And I, I have and have made calls to another team to say, you know, you ought to check this guy out. This was our situation. This is why he wasn't a fit for us. But I think he might be a fit for you. You ought to check and see. Got enough, you know, background with enough people to make that happen. I can't really say that there's been anybody that I sign when I know. There was never anybody that I signed that I said, this guy is not good enough. Um, you know, but I'm going to sign him anyway. There have been cases in camp, though. Um, and I've done this before, and this has happened. And I'm just giving you a, a, a big picture. So there was a player that I wanted to sign. Uh, i tell you who it was. It was a running back out of Penn State, Mike Archie. Right there from Pennsylvania. And, and um, I remember Mike from high school. 
really highly recruited. And he had a modest career. And I just wanted him in camp. I, I didn't, I thought his chances of making the team kind of remote, but, but I thought there was a decent chance. And I won't go into that because I get sidetracked. So I wanted to sign him. Um, his agent also represented another player at Penn State who I did not, he was a defensive back. And I admit, I don't even remember the kid's name. And I signed that player in order to, hey, look, you know, I, if you if you get Mike here, I think I think this is the best spot for him to give him a chance and all that. Um, and, and I went ahead and signed that other player. Now, that other player wasn't like an embarrassment, you know, but the point was it was a favor to an agent that was going to help me get a player and – that is done. There are favors that are done. Maybe it is to an agent, um, as I said, or it is maybe to a coach. I've signed a player that was that I knew that was physically limited. Uh, coach Stallings. I, I did this once for Coach Stallings, and 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 plenty of other people, but it, this one in particular just comes to my mind. A player that was really good that wasn't getting, he wasn't drafted, and no one signed. I, I knew why. I, 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 I didn't have him graded that way either. But, hard worker, good kid, and, and I thought he could, he was a center, and he was a guy that I think could work in our rookie camps, and particularly in our rookie camps, when you don't have enough bodies to run all your drills, he was a guy that I brought in. And we did it because the young man deserved it. He could say that he was in our camp. And he didn't make it. It was a favor. He, he There was never any false expectation or any expectations of any sort that he was going to make the team. But, so things like that happen. And maybe more than you might know. Those are some of the peaks behind the curtain there. In this case, why am I going into that? The situation with Tim Tebow is unique. No, there are not other teams interested in him to this point. Now, let's say he doesn't make Jackson. Let's say he, well, I don't see this playing out that way. But certainly his performance, if it were to be very positive and somehow he doesn't make Jacksonville, could it rekindle some interest and maybe somebody else looking at the tight end? Perhaps. At this point, no one's really feeling that or seeing that. This was a case of Tim Tebow approaching Urban. This wasn't Urban Meyer saying, you know what? We're building this roster. Uh, got our draft. What I really want I think we can have a reserve tight end that could be a good, great special teams player. We need to bring Tim Tebow in. That, that's not how it played out. Now, that may be how they couch it publicly. Um, the reality is there is a close, close relationship between Urban and Tim Tebow. I mean, very close. I mean, father-son-ish like. Tim wanted an opportunity. I think... 
Tim doesn't look at it as closure. I think in his mind, he probably thinks I, I, I can contribute. I can help. I can be a part of it. My coach, my hometown team, hometown community, got a home there, yada, yada, yada. I'm sure there's a legitimate belief that he thinks that he can make an impact and make a difference in his mind. Um, but whether he does or doesn't, I think Tim is looking for closure. I think he feels like everything we talked about, the baseball thing is over. I'm assuming it's over. I, you know, I don't, gotta be, I'm sure. Um, certainly there's no, not that there ever was, but, but any thought that he had that quarterback was an option is not an option for him. But he hasn't gone down the road of the tight end thing. And, and he's now, let me try to do the thing that other people said I should have done a long time ago. It gives him closure. Again, in his eyes, he may feel he's successful and, and he'll make a difference. But if he's not, at least it gives him closure. I tried that. I did that. I, I, he doesn't have to say what, what if. Doing it at 33 is not is probably as good as doing it at 25, but it's also better than doing it at 38 because it's it gets tougher or more impossible, more improbable to do it down the road. I what Urban is doing is giving him an option for closure. The other thing is, if he were to be successful enough, if he were to show enough, and I don't think it has to be like a bunch of catches or anything, if he shows a positive impact in any role, if he is on IR, PUP, or an active regular season roster or postseason, but postseason comes later. You have to be on one of those. PUP, IR, regular season or postseason roster. You have to be on the roster for three games in a season to get credited for an accrued season. Tim is three games away from being fully vested in the NFL pension. So if all the things I said are true, you know, it doesn't make work out. It doesn't work out. There's closure. <coughs> Pardon me. So be it. But what if he's, look, he can't go out there, flop around, not do anything. But if he has some modicum of success, he can help in some way, shape, or form. And he can be active or, you know, in, in one of those aspects on the roster for three games. He gets fully vested in the NFL pension. Just so you understand, that's not mega millions. That's that's very little money compared to what he'll make in other, but it's something. And when you consider all the benefits and uh, the perks, because he's made, look, he's made more money in football than he did in baseball. From what I understand, he didn't make a whole lot in baseball. But in the NFL, the rookie contract, albeit not a tremendous one, was still significant in a, in a real-world life standpoint. And assuming he's taking care of his money, football and otherwise, outside of football, and invested it well, he's in pretty good shape. But you get, for example, five years of medical coverage from Henson, which you retire. And then you get 
other pension benefits and other things medically down the road. And then you get a pension that is, again, not a lot, but, you know, forty to $50,000 just on top of everything <clears throat> is something it, it, on top of whatever he's doing. And it's, you know, worth a lot more than the average Joe, we know, than, than him, but it is something. And it is a landmark for his career. So I think the opportunity to to see if that can happen, it's up to Tim and how well he does. I think if he's doesn't fall flat on his face, I think he's got a chance to make the opening day roster for the reasons that I mentioned. Then I don't know if he makes it for the entire year. I don't know if he make it makes you know, make. We'll see. But all of that is in play. All of that has been discussed and talked about and initiated by Tim. Coach, I, I want to change. I believe I can do this. I believe I can help. The other thing I think, um, and you got to be careful with this, but he can be a guy in the locker room. For, forget about, oh, he's going to, Tim Tebow's going to create a culture for Jacksonville for his players. No. Backup players don't create culture. They're not heard. That, that's not the way it works. He was the culture creator at Florida because he was the best player. That's how it works in the NFL. But he can be someone that will work hard, show them things by example, maybe embrace some other young guys that are not real high up on the top and get them to work and do things a certain way. It can be all positive in that regard. The other thing is he can be someone that can be a eyes and ears in the players' locker room that may benefit the coaching staff to know, okay, when – you're not around. This is kind of what's going on from a player standpoint. So I think there's a lot of that going on. And again, it, it's none of this is going to come out publicly, what I'm saying. But this is, again, what I try to do is peel the curtain behind how some of these decisions are made. This is what's going on. Now, uh, they're going to say it as we believe in them and all. Of course, you're not going to come out and say, well, look, we're trying to get him a pension. We're trying to, no, no. And it's really not as simple as they're trying to get him a pension. They're trying to give him an opportunity. You can't just, if the guy had no ability and no, you couldn't even go to this point. But there's enough there to see where it might go. And again, may fall flat on his face, may not. But that's that's the story there on the Tim Tebow. Long-winded answer, but I like to get into detail. I try to like to explain it in a way that's thorough enough for understand. Um, so we'll do that. I um, want to get to a couple of questions, and I want to get into name, image, and likeness. I see there's a couple of questions regarding that. So, um, you know, uh, so I'm going to address this. Rich, Rich Coach has got a, a, a question, and I'll answer that. Um Mark Emmett, tone deaf, saying the NCAA needs the federal government to pass the NIL. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, um, I Tony is asking about, Tony Fenn's asking about the Browns draft. We went into that a bunch. I thought they did a nice job. Uh, they obviously have the medical background on JLK's heart issues. So um, that... Um, that's what we call medical competitive advantage. Do, do you know something that's medical grade? And obviously they feel comfortable with it. Tony, I've got every player from the Browns, you know, as well as every other 
player for every team that's been drafted or signed as an undrafted free agent. We've got that over at LandryFootball.com, so you can check that out. I thought, thought they did a very nice job. Um, so we, we'll get into uh, that, and again, appreciate your questions. We'll take them. Name, image, and likeness. Um, so the issue with that big picture is, and I, I, I try to keep my passion and love for college football and NFL, but they're equal, but they're separate and they're different. I always say, um, those of you that have kids, you got two kids, you, you love them the same, but they're different. They're different personalities. That's, that's how I look at college football and the NFL. Love them, but they're different. You know, uh, and I, I, I don't want college football to be like the NFL and vice versa. But I think there's some elements administratively and organizationally that could help both by looking at what the others do. For example, you know, the NFL, I'm old enough. I worked in the NFL before there was a free agency period. So you drafted players and players stayed on your team as long as you gave them a contract. They couldn't leave unless you fired them, unless you released them. Um, or you just, you know, you didn't renew their contract and they could go sign somewhere else. And then all those things happen. But that that's a street free agent, not, well, wait a minute, uh, contract's up. You you got the rights to them. If you, you didn't have free agency, freedom of movement. And for me, somebody like me, building a team through the draft and, and, and doing it that way is kind of the most purest way to kind of develop. And there was a lot of thought that free agency come is going to ruin the NFL game. And for some, it has. You, you, no longer do you have the – I mean, you have rivalries in the NFL, but players are moving. Some people think it's more exciting, it's better. A lot of older folks maybe don't think it is. That's teaches on. It's different, and you can decide whether for you it's better or worse. It's different, though. College football – has not properly embraced and not properly read the tea leaves of society. Um, I'm not a political person. I don't, I'm not into it enough to understand, but I do know enough to know that things have changed in society. How we view authority, uh, the expectation level of what we expect people to give us as opposed to maybe working it and earning it, that's changed. Uh, younger people see through the world differently than um, maybe how I grew up. It, it, it is. I'm not, you know, it was better my day, and it's, you know, whatever. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It's different. Not being able to come up with a way, as the money became big in college football, and this is in college athletics as a whole, and this goes back longer, maybe you've even been following it, but... It wasn't always making money hand over fist. It was back in the day when Walter Byers was the head of the NCAA. Uh, can you imagine this? He wouldn't allow more than, well, you know, you, you can only be on TV. You can only have one in, uh, college football game on TV weekend. Now, you only had three channels, you know, one network getting it, because we, we needed to protect people coming 
to the stadium. Well, instead, it was the opposite. The more people saw it on TV, they wanted to be a part of it in person. You know, go figure, things happen. We know kind of where things is going. Well, it's become, and, and, and money was a factor then in that decision, but it was more, there's your student athletes. That was the understanding of the value of an education. I mean, I don't know what it is that maybe people debate on how important a college degree is. I'm not smart enough to say, I will say this that an education is important, however you get it, and there are different ways to do that. A lot of successful people never even go to college. But I do think for many, college college education can shape their future of what they're going to do with their life's work. And college athletics, and I know we'll stick to college football here, but you know you can apply it to other sports. 95% of the players that play are never going to play pro football. And so if you're, and I know that the people that you ask about, that you talk about, are the folks that will get a chance to play or do play and are in that category that they have a chance. So in the eyes of many, all of these people have a chance. Well, all of the Alabama players have a chance. Well, they do. But that's a very, very small sample size of everybody that plays. And college athletics used to be where you valued a college education. You valued the fact that it was free, the room and board and all of that. Um, that was thought of as a great opportunity to get that where maybe you might not be, your family might not be able to afford to, to get that. And now you've got something that you would not have had otherwise. Plus, the relationships and the experiences that will allow you, because you are a premier athlete at such and such a school, that gives you a big edge when you go on job interview for a pharmaceutical salesman or whatever. Makes a huge difference. Um, I coached at a, at a program that's considered a football factory. Tons of players. Coach went in the NFL. Most of them are financial planners, doctors, lawyers, whatever. All experience it, you know, the, the, the ability to network, um, the ability to, to know people and, and utilize that. Those are all very, very valuable. Somewhere along the line, it began to become a narrative by the media that these players get nothing. We know that's not true. They get an awful lot. Now, do they get enough? You can debate that. Should they get more? Should they get something from the, their name, image, and likeness? Uh, that's kind of where we're headed, like it or not. But probably they didn't address enough as the money was being made, more and more money was being made, through television contracts, the NCAA basketball tournament, and obviously the, the playoffs in college football, and all the money that comes in, the television money. And, you know, you've got now uh, pretty much all the power conferences have their own television networks tied to a network, and, and you got money that is way more than it was 30 years ago. 
and so the money comes in and it is, you know, what about the worker? What about the guys that are making it go? And then you have all these video games and uh, what do you call it? Uh, Madden or, or whatever, you know, EA Sports, uh, Iconic Artists, artist. I think it was, you know, you know what I'm talking about, the video game stuff, where you got a player's name on it, and they say, wait a minute, you're using that. Um, you're selling my jersey, and I'm not making anything. And you're getting a lot of this narrative, these guys are not getting this, and they should get that. We should get more. And you can debate whether they deserve it, whether it's manageable, what have you. But unfortunately, college football, college athletics, it's – a lot different because it is pro football is a business it's operated as a business and at some point the players realized we need a collective bargaining agreement and we're not going to you're not going to have us as players unless we get a bigger piece of the pie and so it's become business partners what's happening now is that's infiltrated college and college is a little bit more complex because it's a business but it's not a business. It's technically not. Though it makes money, technically not. It's not employees and all. So you have a lot more complexities. I get that. However, the inability to recognize that this was coming down the pike, that the problems were coming, and to head it off. And I don't mean like maybe, you know, things could have been done to prevent the dam being broken right now to make things a little bit better. And, and, and what I mean by that is maybe you have, I always felt like I would have liked two years ago incentivize players to stay in school, to develop their football skills. I think it helps you from a from an NFL standpoint for guys to stay in college longer. And I think it, as a college coach and a college administrator, it's better if the player, if they can, stay in longer. I, I get it. Injuries can happen. But modern day technology rarely does uh, injury ruin your career. It, it can. Yes, it can. But it's more beneficial to get as much education as possible to prepare for your life's work after football. Which there's going to be a life after football, regardless how long you play. And so education is the key. Even if you make a ton of money, educate yourself. The educated ones are more likely to keep their money, right? The ones that lose all their money, they're not all dumb, but they don't educate themselves and make themselves aware of, and they, they're the ones that get taken a little bit more. So the point is, that, is I would have liked <clears throat> more emphasis being put in college on A for the ones that are pro sports worthy to get a lot of help on educating, even if they're not business majors, getting education on how to protect your money, how to better prepare yourself. I mean, simple things as managing a checkbook and things that we take for granted. A lot of guys are not real skilled with that. Now these kids don't have any money to, to manage a checkbook that they've never had till they got to college. And even then, you know, it's, you know, cash only. You'd be shocked. I think those things could have been done. I also think that 
you could have probably taken for the players that were good enough to get their name, image, and likeness. Look, create a scenario where if you make money, if we make money, the school deserves to make some money because they're giving you the forum to compete. But you are also adding something to the school. Take some of that, take that money, and, and I, look, you, you can figure out the percentages of what goes. Put it in, a, in an escrow fund, and the longer you stay in school, the more money of that you get. And so you're incentivized. You're not just saying, here, you're paid, you do this, but you're incentivizing doing what college athletics should be. And then, you know, I also think that money should have been put more towards Let's create funds to help these football players who get injured. And because not all of them, you know, are pro players that get injured and have problems with issues. Um, I didn't play pro football, but I've got problems health-wise. And, and I'm, I'm fine. But a lot of them need help, and I think of funds for that. I think he could have done that, and I think there are things that would have maybe headed off some of this. Now we're dealing with name, image, and likeness. And I know a lot of you think, man, that's great. They deserve it. If they have the cachet, if they bring enough value to warrant getting a money, what have you. Look, let's not be naive. A lot of these guys are getting things anyway. This is, they're going to get a little bit more, instead of being under the table, it might be on the side of the table or, you know, or, or it'll be above board, but then not all the stuff above the table will be legal, but it's going to be tough to differentiate, tougher to differentiate what's legal, what's not, because before you're not supposed to get anything, right? But they do. We know that. Um, it, it's great. Guys that can create their own likeness and all, that, that fundamentally sounds great. There's always unintended consequences and there's always, God love them, but the NCAA and the powers that be it's like the transfer portal. They thought, well, we, we don't want to have to pay them, and we, we don't like that name. Let, let's give them freedom to move. Okay? In theory, it sounds great. It's now becoming a detriment for the majority of the players because they, they can't land a home. And, and they would have been much better off, in many cases, 90% of the time, staying where they are. And I don't want to get into, we've talked enough about transfer portal and that. But it's so the name, image, and likeness. Sounds great. Oh, and Christian, only a certain amount of guys can do that. Oh, you know, school's not paying the money. They're not. It's other people outside. And if they can earn it, other students, could. what's wrong with that? On the surface, understandable to have that. What in reality happens, the unintended consequences is that what we've done is taken the underbelly, pull behind the curtain, what goes on in college athletics, benefits, illegal, getting funneled to the players, 
now becomes more above board. So let's just say the car dealer that may be helping out a player here or there can now legally do it and imagine how much difficult it is to control it. The NCAA doesn't have an enforcement arm. So if you can track that some car dealership is paying money to XYZ University, it can be investigated and you can get in trouble for that. They don't have an enforcement arm to track that. Now that same dealership can give the player money for a service, for a quote-unquote reputable marketing fee. Good luck trying to... You know, you now, well, of course you're giving them money. They're doing this. It's going to be tougher to to determine which what. So here's what's going to happen. The player can go out and do it on his own. Well, the player's not going to do it on his own. I mean, that's, that's in theory great. What will happen and what is already happening, schools are hiring marketing firms, advisory groups that will help the player create a brand for themselves, create marketing opportunities for themselves. And again, great, that's, you know, if we're going to do it, help them. Make it, make it a recruiting tool. You come here, we can help you with it. But, but here's what's going to happen. The bigger schools that can afford it, the ones that have the biggest boosters with the biggest pockets, this is going to be on the front end. Oh, it's not going to be said, and there'll be things signed saying that we're not doing it. But what will happen is you're going to say, I get this a lot. Quarterback's going to make money, but those offensive linemen are not going to make money, and there's going to be divisions in the locker room. Yeah, you could have that. That could be an issue with some programs, but here's what's really going to happen at the bigger-time programs. The offensive linemen are going to get taken care of, too. So just like you have jobber programs with boosters, your program that basically give the players jobs when in the summer and when there's any time off, they basically get jobs for not doing a whole lot. And what you get for that, being part of the jobber program, you get certain perks with you get, uh, you don't get free tickets or suites, but you get, uh, better choices to to get what it is that you want to become involved in, in, in companies. A lot of them write-offs. They, they, they take advantage of it. They love that. Well, now, I can tell you that the big-time program is going to say, look, you, you, our linemen are not getting enough love. We need to, we need to make sure that a, a certain company can, you know, I, I used this in another show this morning as an example, like Ford. Built Ford, is, is it Ford that says built, yeah, built Ford tough or something like that. So you see where I'm going with it. So this will be used in the recruiting aspect. No, you're not going to say come here and we're going to get you that. It's going to be known. You come here through the back channels. Now, you're a lineman. You, you, you don't have to, you're not going to have to quote unquote, you know, people think, well, if the kid can go out and pound the pavement and find his own mark, why couldn't he? Yeah, that's not what's going to happen. It's going to be found for them. It's going to be given for them. And so what will happen is the ones that have the most booster resource funds will have the most success taking advantage of this.
So you go at University X, you will likely get more from up and down the roster than maybe School Z. Well, that's kind of the way it is now under the table. Now you're just really making it overt and more of an issue. So it, it's going to create a greater separation between, I mean, how much separation can we have now anyway? I was just thinking this morning, and we'll get into this when we break down the teams. There's not, you, you could stretch it by saying there are six teams that could win the national championship this year. And that's a stretch. Oh, there's six, eight teams that could make their way into the playoffs to earn the right to get their rear end kick in a semifinal game that's all usually a blowout. You don't have eight teams that can win the national championship. It is such a small number. And then again, you got to throw in somebody that makes a playoff as well. They got a shot. Well, they got a shot. Not really. It is such a small. It's going to only get bigger and bigger. And again, could you find a program that maybe can fund um, paying maybe the second tier guy more money than the bigger school? Yeah, but football is a game of numbers. It's not basketball. If you can if you can do that in basketball, you can get one great player in basketball, it could make a huge difference. One great player in football is not going to take a program that say, you know, top 25-ish and make them top five. You need to have a whole bunch of them. So you might be able to get individual players here or there to go to a school that is off the radar of the elite programs because they're able to have some kind of sponsorship deal that they can guide them to, but they're not gonna, you're not going to have that big of an impact because it's about numbers. It's about doing across the board. So I think people don't get this. And I don't, and people say, well, um, you know, those of you on the SEC show, Neil and everybody say, well, I don't think it's going to have the impact that people think. You're not going to see the impact. You're not going to read about it, hear about it. This is all impact I'm talking about behind the curtain. This is what's going to happen. I said, well, Chris, what's the difference? You, you only got, you know, the, the, the same schools get the top recruiting classes and end up in the playoffs every year. So what's the difference? Well, got, yeah, no, there's, the difference is going to be that it's going to be more of that. And, you know, if you're just all about, hey, some of the players getting some extra, fine. But how do you control it? Do you have other issues in the locker room where, okay, the guy's got this, but he wants more. Um, look, the lineman may get money, but he, lineman, even if he's taken care of, he won't get as much as the star quarterback who's a Heisman candidate. We know that. That guy's going to be the apple of, you know, marketer's eyes. They're going to all want that. So you're going to have issues. Locker room, how do you manage that? How do you deal with that? Um, do you handle it up front? You handle, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that you're going to have to deal with that, as a coach and as an administrator that you've never had to deal with before to this degree. But 
you know, some of it, again, has been happening behind the scenes, but it's a little bit more hush-hush. Now it's going to be more overt. Yeah, you know, so-and-so's getting X for this, and we're only getting this. And, you know, could cause problems. It could. Um, and, it, and, and I think what it does, and I know this has happened in football, right? Pro football. Well, this guy wants his money, and it's a business, and you know, he's take care of himself, and it's more about him and not the team. Well, that's the same way we operate in our professional world to some degree. In college, you think it's different. It's becoming more and more apparent as time goes on. It's less and less about team, and it's more about what can I get and all of that. And so transfer portal, I can go, in, you know, not anytime, anywhere, but you can go more easily than you ever could, and you could maybe do your own deal. It's more individualized. I don't know that it teaches the great team building, but I don't want to be Mr. Old School guy that it's team first and all, because that's what I am. But I also want to step aside and look at the other side for a second and say, I understand at least how other people are thinking, but how do you control those ancillary things that happen because of this? That's a whole different, and, in, and you don't have means to do it. It's an issue. What's going to happen long-term? I've been asked, and I'm going to address a couple of questions before we go. Is it going to create greater separation between the big-time programs, let's say, Power 5 and G5? Yeah, it could. How do the G5 schools, how do the FCS schools survive? They're not making the money that the big programs are at the gate. They're not making the same level of money from TV contracts. One of the saving, one of the salvations for those type of programs is what? Playing an SEC team on the road and getting a huge check. That may fund the rest of your athletic department. If you separate and you don't play them, they lose. The big-time programs are not going to, they don't, the big-time programs, people criticize the SEC, and, and, and competitively I get it, for playing a home game against a weak opponent. Well, they make more money that way because they can get that team to always come to their place. If they play another Power 5 team, you got to do a home-and-home. Home. So, and, and people do both. But a home game when you've got a 100,000-seat stadium that are sold out is worth a lot more money than a home game where you got 45000 in some places in some parts of the country where that gate is not that much and the concessions is not that much. The parking is not that much. You don't bring in as much revenue. So it's easy to say, oh, they don't play that competitively. Um, it's all about the money. It always is and it always will be. I think we have to figure out, you know, are we going to funnel the money to those programs or are they going to die? Because I'm going to tell you something. If you think your G5 school, and it depends on what you're, there's some that, that can do better than others, are going to bring enough TV revenue and enough gate revenue to do to play at a big-time level without the help of the big-time programs that, 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 kind of, that they can garner money from, it's not going to be the same. So what is that going to do? Is it going to weaken it? Is it going to make them more of the college game and not as many people are watching you still have them on tv but they're not going to make because there's a, a jillion channels and streaming and all this stuff but 
you're not going to make as much money. So there's going to be a greater separation where the richer get richer and, and the, the weaker get weaker. I mean, where have we heard that in politics and society? But this will definitely happen, from, you know, in, 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 um, in college football. But what does this mean? Will it mean a separation? Well, it might. And is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Well, it, it's, it's a good thing if you're a power fire program. If you're a G5 program and you don't have a path, and you say, well, and I, I've often thought, football-wise, it would be great to have a playoff for the G5, right? I mean, I think a nice little TV package. It would be good. It would be more competitive. And, and, and even G5, certainly the FCS level has it. I think it makes more sense, teams in the Sun Belt and the Conference USA, to be playing for some something other than the best we can do is go to some innocuous bowl game that doesn't even pay a whole lot, and it doesn't do much for you. You have no real goal. You win your conference title, and what does it really mean? I mean, it's great. Winning your conference title is great. Let me back up. But that's as far as you can go. Well, maybe if you can become the best of the G5 and whatever we call the league, it makes sense. But can they survive? Can we do it to where, okay, look, maybe they can have their own little niche in the TV market. They're not going to make as much money as the big big boys. And, but can they still play games with those teams and make money? Those are all things that, that will determine um, in, in the success and the viability of those programs sustaining. Look, the FCS does it with their playoffs and all that, and it, and it has success on that level. That's been the history at that level. The history in major college football has been bowl games and now playoffs. So it's different, and I think how – they may evolve will will be challenges that we'll have to overcome um so jeff's asked about is is mark emmerick tone saying the ncw needs the federal government to pass nil laws before the ncw does it well here's the thing it certainly would help if the federal government said this is how it's going to be because if you have different rules in different states there again, you want to complicate, a comp- more complicate, further complicate a complicated issue. Let a certain state have certain rulings versus another. It gives a huge advantage or disadvantage depending on what state you're in. Do you want that? Creates more of an uneven feel. Um, could the power five schools break away? Yeah, Michael. Michael asked that. Yeah, could be. What does that really mean? It's again, is it really good for the people involved in G five programs? That you got a lot of work to do to to make that workable. Um, college football needs a commissioner to oversee everything, but conferences will never give up the control. Well, you're right, Calvary fourteen fourteen. That's the the element. Look, college football commission uh, uh, commissioners don't run the sport. Or, or don't, excuse me, they organize it, they're the head, they're the spokesman. But they don't have autonomous power. If you think Roger Goodell runs the league, you're fooling yourself. Okay, it's the owners and you got committees and he can't unilaterally make decisions. So people who say, I don't want a college football commissioner because I don't want some guy, you know, that, is going to make a ruling that might affect my favorite league. Well, that's the whole point. 
is if you want what's the good of college football, then all of the conferences, so your favorite conference, every conference, all of them will be involved in what's best for the sport of college football. What happens now is you've got a very myopic view of what's best for my league, and it's not for the greater good of college football, and nobody really is looking out for the greater good of college football. So a commissioner that would be very organized and politically savvy to look, let's try to bring everybody to a point where they're better. A lot of people, you know, SEC fans, they don't care about the Pac-12. They don't care about the Big 12. They, they just care about their league. And, and, okay, that's fine. Um, it makes what you're accomplishing smaller and smaller. If you only the only league that matters, then really it doesn't make the the game on a national perspective as relevant. Um, and you don't care. Okay, fine. I mean, it's it's a, it's believe what you want and feel what you want. Um, I, I don't believe in the. I don't believe in college football welfare, you know. But I do believe in like the NFL. What makes the NFL great is the fact that you've got revenue sharing, you've got things that can allow the competitiveness of coaching, development of a program more equal. There are programs that that doesn't matter. You, the best you can do at program X is, you know, at a certain level, and it'll never be at a championship level. It's not even possible. Is that what we want? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Well, you could do what we do it. Well, no, you really can't because you don't have the resources to do it. Um, some can do it, some can't. Some okay with that, some don't like that. It, it's it's interesting, uh, and it's a process. Um, it is something that I think is going down a path of where is it heading, all the paying, all the things. It, it It's going to create and complicate matters. But the, again, the programs that have the most financial resources to manage it, organize it, and use the rules to their advantage are going to do that going forward. And creator, uh, and even more greatly create a bigger advantage for themselves, just like they've done to this point with the current rules. That That's the bottom line that it's going to be. Good, bad, or indifferent, that's going to way it is. But there, there's a lot of tentacles. There are a lot of things behind the scenes, behind the curtain, as I like to call it, that I wanted to bring out and hope we brought out today. And there, there are other things we'll get into a little bit more. And I'm not saying good, bad. It just is. This is how it's going to be. Um, the whole, well, they do this, they do that. There's, there's a lot of that stuff that goes on. More of it's going to be gone on now. And more of it's because it's going to be legal. It's going to be more difficult to contain and could create an interesting uh, future for college football. And I don't know where it is. To me, I'm a football guy. I love it. Give me more football. I watch football. Uh, you want to have more teams in a playoff? Fine. You don't? You want to reduce the playoffs? Fine. Um, you've heard me talk about the system that I like. That's not even under consideration. I, I don't, you know, I mention it when I'm asked, but that's just talk. And whatever they do, I'm going to enjoy the games, 
And if we have more games in the playoffs, great. If we have less, whatever we do, we do. Um, and I'm willing to embrace the change because I can't control it. Still love the NFL, even though it's changed. You've got more teams. Things are done differently. College football is going to change. For the better, don't know. For the worse, don't know. It's going to change. I'm going to embrace it and because it's football, and I love it, and it is part of what I do. But I do think better organization and better foresight could have head off some of the problems that we have. And if we don't, collectively, they don't get their head out of their rear end, then they're going to be further and further issues. Understand that this mirrors society and societal beliefs of what should or shouldn't be are going in a certain direction, and this is going to mirror it, and you need to know it, you need to wrap your head around it, and you need to do what's right. And I think because they haven't, the NCAA, the powers that be in college football in particular, have always been reactive instead of proactive. They don't see unintended consequences, like I said, transfer portal, whatever. They don't see it. They react to it. Well, when you react to it, it's a lot better to see the problem. It's a lot better to have a vision. And it's a lot better to understand what's coming. When you say, wake up and you say, we're going to do this, and it becomes a complete disaster, then you got to repair it. It's a lot worse. So anyway, hey, appreciate you joining us. Remember, check us out at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the scouting season offer. Get all the breakdowns of the draft. We're breaking down, obviously, all the rosters, the NFL, college football. We're into that mold now. We're on the race to the start of the season, and we're going to break down the teams, the, the players' teams, coaches, and schemes uh, better than we've ever done and get you better prepared for the season than ever before. So no better time to get involved with what we're doing now. The notebooks every day, college football, NFL, all the latest information uh, daily. Get all our podcasts. Again, follow um, follow us on the Twitch channel. Go to LandryFootball.com and click follow Chris on Twitch. And make sure that you like this. Where you go to there, you see if you're on the channel and watching us, there's a heart button at the top. Click that. And if you're kind enough, you want to send us a few bits, that will be great as well. Sign up. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, but just, you know, if you can, just like the show by clicking the heart button. Really would appreciate it. Uh, it helps us grow. And please do this. Tell 10 friends about what we're doing. This show. Tell them about LandryFootball.com. And then hopefully they'll tell 10. Let's grow this family. It's I love, it just makes my heart swell to see Caver and Michael Specks and Spartan Barton and Tony Fenn and Jeffrey Parrott, uh, Rich Coates, um, all of you participating becoming involved in the show. It's taken this to a whole new level. Let's take it even further. Have different ideas, different thoughts, questions, what have you. We appreciate you joining us. Talk to you next week, everybody. Have a great weekend. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.